do not really realize um, the things that they do or how they can do them better. It's like, you know, the whole diversity and inclusion um, inclusion topic. And, okay. and I think it's just something that people, they do not prioritize or do not see the benefit or it's kind of the one thing that is always on the side. But at the end of the day for us at Maria, it has become something that is really taken um a front front line in everything that we do. Hi, I'm Tan Lei, and you're listening to Noticing the Obvious, a podcast from Finland, featuring conversations with professional guests from around the world, sharing their personal and business philosophy. In this episode, I talk to Kim Ogilvy, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Maria Zero One which is a startup co-working space slash community hub in the center of Helsinki that hosts over 250 tech startups and VCs. Kim joins me now from her home in Järvenpää, which is a small town about 40 kilometers outside of Helsinki. We discuss what marketing means to her, how and why she's making diversity and inclusion a part of her organization's business strategy, and also, I ask her to name a few of the coolest Finnish startups that she's recently come across. All right, let's go. Here's Kim. How are you, Kim? I'm doing great. Excited to be here today. Yes, thank you for joining me. Now, let me quickly ask you about your last name, Ogilvy. Are you familiar with Ogilvy, the the famous advertising agency, or David yes. Ogilvy. <laughs> yes, I am, and not just because of the last name, but also because my husband he he works in advertising, and the first thing that he told me when when we met was, "Hey, are you family? Are you related? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." So it is a popular last name. Um, in in Canada because okay. is it is the the origins are a bit on the French Canadian side but ah. in Costa Rica where I come from it's really unique so only people that are like directly related to me have this last name so it's oh. it's very unique mm. Cool. Yeah, yeah I always yeah. wondered how do you pronounce it, and I didn't realize it's so similar to Ogilvy. Yeah, I mean, you could basically say it like that, but then I think people would would uh, spell it differently. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so when people ask you when a mm. new person when you meet someone new and then they ask you what do you do mm. how do you respond to them? Well, I think what I do in a nutshell is that I I try to to build a brand around um the startup ecosystem here in in Finland and the way that I do that is through through my job at Maria Zero One where we bring together all the different uh, ecosystem players mm. uh, to basically help each other especially the the startup companies to grow their business and yes I would say that so basically you know in in a big how do you say like a holistic scope then it would be like yeah to kind of like brand the ecosystem and Maria Zero One being the the tool for that because of the different players that we work with and kind of like what it means for people that it it has become this kind of like showroom for the ecosystem here in Helsinki. So I mm. think that's basically what I do. And of course, if you get into detail as to how do we do that, then of course, my job as a marketer, basically, it is about, well, spreading the bus around the companies that we have in-house, the activities that we do with our partners and investors, and um, yeah, make people feel excited about that and, and want to want to do things with Maria Zero One. Okay. So, do you describe yourself as a marketer? Well, I think... I think I've always been kind of a marketer. The thing is that I, I'm a very selective marketer because I feel that the things that I'm really interested in, um, like, you know, promoting in a way, because if we think of marketing as a tool for like, you know, promoting your your services and products in a company, then mm. I feel I am not that sales oriented. I am more like value oriented. So I find marketing easier to do for me when the values of me as a person and the values of, of the company are are in line. So sometimes it does not really feel like you're, you know, pitching people something or selling something to someone, but it's more like 
you know, it feels something that, you know, you feel more comfortable in doing. And mm. the jobs I've had here in Finland, I think they have allowed me to to really discover what type of things I'm really interested in and um, obviously pursue these kind of roles that help me align the, the job with my values. It's interesting. So you said you're not sales oriented, you're values <laughs> oriented. What, how yeah. do you, can you give me an example? So what is, how do you see somebody who is sales oriented and then what's the difference? Like what is values oriented in your Hmm. This, yeah, this is an interesting question. And I think, of course, like, you know, as a marketer, you do have to be a bit sales oriented because mm. at the end of the day, you do have to sell. But mm. I, I just meant that it makes it easier for me to be in this position where I have found a company that really aligns with the kind of person I am and the things also that I see in society we should be trying to do better. So in that sense, it's a bit easier to sell that lifestyle to people as compared to, I don't know, me being a salesperson for for shoes. But it could also be different if the shoes that I would be selling have, you know, like a deeper meaning. They have been I don't know, the way that they have been produced, manufactured or where mm. they are made or, you know, it's it's really all about the brand in this case, what is around, like, you know, that product or service that makes it easy for you, you know, as a marketer yeah. to just be more so, passionate about your job in a way. Yeah. So do you mean when you sell something, it's more effective to try to focus on what value it brings rather than the thing? So I want to sell you this thing I don't yeah. want to I don't want to focus on this thing but I want to focus on what you will receive from it what values yeah, exactly you get. exactly but that's also uh, like you know kind of at the end of the day that's also the the bottom line of effective marketing that you do not focus on on features but you focus on like you know what are the benefits of mm -hmm. of that product or service in your customers' life so that also goes in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what would you say, what's the main thing you sell in your job? What is the thing that you sell? That's a good question. I think what we are selling at Maria Zero One is, is a future in the hands of, of entrepreneurship, a different way of doing things. Um, mm. That it's not just, uh, you know, the, the way that we have been used to, for example, when we go to university and, you know, we are told the kinds of companies we should intern for or even dream of working for at some point, I think we are kind of breaking, uh, breaking the norms because we, we want people that by the time they are like, you know, at university that that they get interested in building a company and not just, um, you know, becoming entrepreneurs, but also becoming tech entrepreneurs. Like how can they, you know, utilize mm. technology to build something that can accelerate a change in the world. Like, you know, that's basically what we sell, like this lifestyle of that is behind tech entrepreneurship, that you can get to solve the biggest challenges, challenges in the world faster uh, together in a super amazing community filled with people that think and breathe the same things that you do, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. So startups, can I ask what attracted you to the world of startups? Why not, you know, corporate, for example? Like, yes. Why not, uh, why not a larger company? Like what, what attracts you to the energy of new yeah. people starting something? That's a, such a good question. And I'm so happy you asked that because I've never had the chance to answer like this publicly so that people oh. like, you know, are like, oh, now I get it. But so the thing is that for me, when I came to Finland, um, uh, well, like, you know, long story short, I was a single mom at some point in like, you know, in all this journey of me to coming to Finland. And mm. uh, like, you know, I, I got into university and while I was, you know, in university, I had to um, basically juggle me being a single parent and then you know studying going to school and then around that time you know when all my colleagues in university like you know were like partying and people were like you know <laughs> thinking where are they going to go for an internship abroad I was mm. like okay what do I do because <laughs> I can't I can't go abroad with a you know my daughter was like around two or three years old at that time and, you know, I think that um, that lack of something made me get a bit more creative. And that's how I actually ended up kind of looking for internships in companies that um, 
that well. We're, we're not popular, but I did hear about a startup company initially because um, it was this, this person. She was a blogger who used to work in a startup company and she came to my university to talk about startup companies. And I By do the way, remember... Which, which university? Uh, I, was, I studied in Hagahelia. Okay. So, so yeah, she was there and like, you know, she gave a presentation about her journey. It was like an alumni type of story. And I think I was probably the only person who was interested after that speech <laughs> in talking to her because I was like, oh my God, like, you know, this sounds perfect. Like, you know, she was telling how, like, you know, it was an international company and that they would always speak in English um, mm. and, you know, about how flexible they were. So I told her it would be super nice to do an internship, but like, you know, at your company. Mm. And um, then I did that first internship. And basically from there onwards, I got to hear through that startup company about Slush, Arctic 15. And then I started to get super interested in like, you know, I really like this I, this way of working in which you go there and like, you know, sure, you have like your main field of tasks, what it mm. is that you do. But it was always very dynamic. And I got to discover through those internships that I was so good at writing and Around that time when I met who now is my husband, he was saying, you know, that is actually a very good skill for you to develop because here in the advertising industry, we we hire copywriters whose job is basically to sell things mm. with their words. And that is something that, you know, if you really want to get very good at, then you should try to get these jobs where there is always a chance to like improve your writing skills. And, um, mm. and yeah, basically that's what I have been doing. From, so this, you know, this one, time. yeah. So this talk really changed your life. So this girl came, yeah, in. yeah. Because of that talk, you mm -hmm. discovered the world of startups. You met your husband. Yeah, and... it was it was actually like you know really interesting times because like you know if I remember always the kind of companies that um, my colleagues were interested in interning for, they were companies that of course like you know at that point they were outside of Finland, but I always thought there was something more out there and also I think the struggle of having to find a company where I can you know at that point as like you know not a, like a Finnish speaker could uh, get a job at then my options were super limited so mm. my focus was always like you know you have to find jobs where you can speak English as compared to you know my Finnish uh, peers they would basically have more options available mm. to them in that sense so yeah, I think that struggle made me discover uh, something new. <laughs> so quick side question, how is your finish today? Well, my finish, it is surprisingly good. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, people tell it to me all the time. But I think because I am such a, an expressive person, sometimes I find it hard to stick to finish. Yes, because yes. Sometimes I feel like I can't be too emotional with the way exactly. I speak, if you know what I mean <laughs> totally, totally yeah so but with my daughter I do speak some Finnish and um and sometimes like you know when I get calls from work or various things you know when you're doing like tax things and you have to go to the offices then I can you know I can speak Finnish quite well hmm. yeah Okay, so just finishing off uh, the previous story. So do, does that startup, do they still exist? The one you interned for, the very first one? They don't exist, but the, one of the founders, he's super successful nowadays. Um, so the, that first company that I interned at, it was called Create Trips. And I'm not sure if I could say who, who was the founder. <laughs> <laughs> because he's, yeah, he's super successful nowadays. And like, you know, it's great to see that. Well, he's if he's super successful, maybe he doesn't mind being mentioned. Yeah, so so he he's actually now also one of the not sure if he's a founder or like co-founder, but this is this family company called Caslink, where they nowadays also make these oat oat milk drinks. Okay. And um so he is part of this like you know Kukkonen family and it's like three ah, brothers who basically okay. like you know own the company. They were also like last year I think acquired by Fatser and I think like the guy he's now investing into startups so it has definitely been like you know a success story after all like you know okay. starting from that small uh, mobile app startup. Mm. I like how you have your brain holds so much information about startups and names and who's acquired yes. by who. 
Do you, how, how does that feel? I mean, do you ever get a break from the world of startups? <sighs> I, I don't think so. And it's very funny because um, now during my summer vacation, I had five weeks and I really promised myself I'm not going to do anything work related because sometimes, you know, I fail at that. <laughs> but I was just laughing all the time because if I'm in social media, I am working unconsciously because every single person, the companies I follow, like everything is there. So it's pretty funny how much of an impact, you know, my work at Maria has had, not just in my, in my work life, but also in my private life, because many of the people that I, you know, have met at work are, are my friends whose updates, like, you know, I always see in the phone. So it's like, mm. you're never really disconnected of this, like, you know, startup ecosystem, mm. like at all. <laughs> So now, speaking of the startup ecosystem, yeah, Helsinki, it's always, I think even, was it the year before, it was the top startup ecosystem in the world, or it's always, you know, ranked high. Yes. Do you see that? Yes. Like, why do you think that is? What, what makes Helsinki especially welcoming to startups? Yes, I think, and this is something that has to be has to do with Finnish Finnish culture a little bit, because I think Finland is so successful with these ecosystem initiatives because there is there is so much trust in all these like you know startup activities because mm. I think Finnish culture is really is like that that you need to see that something works before you risk it, and and I think you know within the past 10 years we have seen these organizations that have been successful in like you know producing like if we think of accelerators helping these startups grow but also other startups that have like you know made it and have become successful or as we call them like you know the unicorns i think that is something that people have seen and people have become very hopeful that, you know, if this can happen once, then why might not happen like, you know, two or three times more, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that is something that I see here in the Finnish ecosystem together with like a very, um, I like how we are always not so much like oriented towards profit in the activities that we do. And you can see that, for example, in Maria's model as a not-for-profit that we are partly owned by the city and mm. then, um, well, uh, the enterprise agency and also the startup foundation. So I think this kind of model is something that I have not seen anywhere else in the world. And mm. it has not needed me to visit anywhere else in the world because people actually come to Maria to really understand yes. how we see that, you know, this works. To me, it's a little bit surprising in a sense because Finland is not known to be a risk-taking mm. society. You know, like when you think of Finland, you think of stability and yeah. my safety. Yeah, And whereas exactly. startups, uh, traditionally, when you think of a startup, the first word is, like you say, risky. It's, a, it's taking mm. a risk. It's taking a chance. So it kind of goes against what, Finland traditionally stands for so that's why I think yeah. it's surprising yeah exactly it is surprising but I think it has really needed those success stories in the ecosystem and I think you know that has just been the beginning in terms of the other issues that also the ecosystem you know still has to solve um because I think you know the the first challenge that we had as an ecosystem was to really change the like you know the the misconception that people really had about entrepreneurship and to really encourage students to for example consider consider even starting their own companies and i think mm. that those attitudes have changed a lot you know within the past five years at least and you know i of course think slush has had such a like you know like a pivotal role in mm. in changing these attitudes because of you know the amount of of uh, volunteers that they, for example, bring in every year to make that event happen. Mm. And if we think of the network each of these volunteers has, then I think it's, it's. I don't think it, it has like an end, if, if you know what I mean. I think it's, it's going to continue like that because it's like, you know, lots of students that have experienced um, being in this kind of environment. So I, I do think lots of them have like, you know, have gotten inspired. And, and I think that has, that is like, you know, the point of, of also what Slush does to inspire, to inspire students, in my mm. opinion. So, and also, do you think it's also 
um, has to do with Finland becoming more and more multicultural. And a lot of, like even you and even me, right? We both mm. came into this country and we don't speak Finnish. Mm. So job opportunities are kind of limited. So yeah. it helps to have to have a skill that you can use mm. to start your own venture. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, to be honest, I think this is a trend that is just going to to grow, uh, like, you know, within the next years, because uh, like, you know, especially for startups, if you if you really have a startup, because some people say that they have a startup, but then they just focus in the local market. And to me, that is not really a startup because you're not like, you know, going in 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 the business for exponential growth. You're just seeing borders for your business. So I think, you know, the the real growth startups are the ones that you know see outside of finland as basically like you know the the rest of their um how do you say like target audience and can yes. obviously like you know grow exponentially and in that sense it's it it is just the way it is like finland is such a small market and if we really want to do business like it's well we have the like you know the finnish language um as um how do you say like as a barrier <laughs> i have recently Uh, noticed that nowadays they start teaching English uh, from the first grade and before it was until the third grade and mm. to be honest I think that's a great thing that yeah. they are now like you know starting to teach uh, English at a younger younger age and um, and yeah I mean if, if you really want to have a growth growth company you really have to look outside of Finland like fin Finland is is just so so small as a market if you really like you know want to make it big and have like you know a greater impact in society and all that like you really have to to think big yeah and do you find yeah. do you do you run into even still today do you run into people who don't think that like who who don't think big enough do you think that's a common problem I think it's just that sometimes people might just not understand about the like you know the opportunities outside but to be honest I think I live in a bubble or like you know my work uh is really inside a bubble so I I do know that this bubble that we are all part of in the ecosystem is really much nicer than what the rest of we think you know foreign people in finland are experiencing and mm. who have not really yet had the chance to be part of this ecosystem because it, it really it takes it takes time and it takes knowledge and you kind of like always have to prove yourself on something so even as a foreigner you have a hard time outside of the ecosystem well we still do have a hard time even as foreigners inside mm. the ecosystem so i think um it's much easier inside the ecosystem but it takes it takes time to kind of be be part of of these communities yeah so right now with your work what mm -hmm. is at the top of your mind most so what are some of the issues that you urgently mm. trying to solve Yes, at the top of, of my mind at this point is just that, um, well, Maria's year one has gotten so much better with time. Like we have become more professional, focused in everything that we do. I actually just got an, an intern joining our now two-person marketing team um, okay. yesterday. So I'm super excited about that. But um, like, of course, some of the things that we have realized have become an annoyance for us at Maria of... <laughs> that uh, like you know people do not really realize um the things that they do or how they can do them better it's like you know the whole diversity and inclusion um inclusion topic and, okay. and i think it's just something that people they do not prioritize or do not see the benefit or you know, it's kind of the one thing that is always on the side but at the end of the day for us at maria it has become something that is really taken um a front front line in everything that we do because okay. of the organization we represent so you know being more strict with our partners in the usage of for example inclusive language but also the kind of like you know guests that they invite for their events uh it's always very bad to see all these all white male panels when uh you know people share their events and um and the thing is that even though as a community these are some of the values that we try to work with then mm. these are things that are always very tricky because at the end of the day if we say that 
you know, we we want to be a diverse and inclusive organization, but then we have, you know, members or partners really not kind of um, having the same kind of guidelines in a way, then it is something that can really harm our brand in the long term and makes make you know make us seem like hypocritical because it's kind of like you know it's so nice to talk about this but then you have like you know members that have all these like you know all white male pictures and that is really something that we do not want to to promote at all so it has now come to the to the point where we really have to like start enforcing um you know, these, these guidelines. So we just realized that we really have to be like more strict and, you know, really have guidelines for our partners and, and also for our community with the things that we really want to see inside the community and that we believe will, will really bring the ecosystem forward in terms of uh, like, you know, diversity and, and inclusion. Yeah. Now this podcast is called Noticing the Obvious. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you a really obvious question. So Mm -hmm. you're saying diversity and inclusion and the benefits, because people are Mm. not appreciating the benefits of it. Mm. How would you describe what are the benefits of having Mm. bigger diversity and more inclusion? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. And I think like, you know, for me, the biggest learning points have come through like stories, uh, for example. And and I think these are, of course, the very hard ones if you are not, let's say, a diverse person in the first place. So if you do not represent the minority, it's like, okay, what are seriously the benefits? But like, you know, one story that I like to tell is about this company, um, in the in the US who, who were they basically were manufacturing uh, like you know period underwear for for women mostly and um, that company they went through so many you know venture capital firms in the US and they could never really get investment but they really were able to get off the ground because they were crowdfunded and mm. basically that proves one thing that well it could be that people did not really understand the kind of product that they were selling nor the actual need that it uh, like you know covers because maybe the people that were in in like you know those boards making those decisions did not really understand that women have periods and then <laughs> well, the other thing that it proves is that once that the company went through crowdfunding, they were able to, well, really continue building a big business out of that. So that really proves that there was like a real market need. And, and I think one of the problems with, or let's say the benefits of diversity just really shows that if you do not have a diverse team, sometimes you might miss on really great opportunities. And mm. The, the learning point also from venture capital perspective that sometimes, you know, really great products and ideas might be misunderstood or perceived different depending on the kind of people that, you know, you have mm. making those decisions. Then I think it's also about if, you know, because we had the goal that we really would want to see more women starting tech companies. But the thing is that. I think we do not have um, in the ecosystem enough role models for these women to, for example, feel encouraged of starting their own companies. Because mm. the thing is that many of the companies in the ecosystem have been built by, you know, this group of friends who met during university times. And, you know, that's how you actually end up with having a, a company co-founded by two or three, like, you know, white males. Because mm. in, in the first place, these networks inside university, like, you know, you make friends with the people that you really know hmm. so you would never at that point consider start start starting a company with someone that is not your friend for example hmm. so i think also breaking this stigma that you can break uh like you know start a company with someone who is really not your friend and and i think there have been like you know also many initiatives that um have helped for example, people get to meet each other. For example, finding a co-founder if you have an idea. So there are many ways, of course, to think of, of diversity and inclusion. But, you know, representation being one of those that, you mm. know, if us at Maria, our job is really to to try to always show the, the diverse side of our community. Um, because, like, you know, at the end of the day, I think it works also with kids, you know, and... My daughter, as as a kid, she notices that she's different because she's a bit like, you know, dark skin, mm. just like me. She knows she has dark hair. Mm. And then, of course, the things that she sees on TV, there is not that many people that look like her. And I think mm. 
uh, that is really how, you know, if you really think of like, you know, entrepreneurship, that's, that's also how it works. Like, you know, how kids grow up seeing different kinds of role models really affects their perception of the things they can't or can't do yeah, totally. in society. So those are kind of like my, my takes on why I think diversity and inclusion are important or, you know, its benefits. Yeah, I totally, yeah. I totally relate to that. Mm. And so it's about getting a a more complete picture. Yeah, exactly. But uh, also, like, you know, here in the ecosystem, I think it's something that we are aware of. We're not doing too well. But um, I think it's also about each of the organizations that do something with startups to take some kind of accountability for this um like, you know, for these measures and not just focusing on only the awareness side of things, but really like, you know, put like strict measures into place, ideally like, you know, things that you can even measure like, hey, um, we would like to bring in like, you know, X amount of these kinds of companies by the end of the year, what kind of actions can we take to get there? Hmm. So making this not just part of um, like, yeah, making this as part of like, their company strategy because i think if it's not something that is um strategized as a whole mm. then very likely it's going to fail it really has to be part of the company strategy and that's something that us now at maria we 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 have been working on to making it towards making diversity and inclusion as part of our strategy so okay yes. now the opponents i mean mm-hmm. i don't think i don't think anybody would go out and say we don't want diversity and inclusion. Mm. However, the people that don't place it as the top of the list of priorities, mm. what do you know what they would argue? Well, I think that they would probably always argue something like, well, let me think because... Because <laughs> I have one in my head. Yeah, you can go and, hey, and okay, say that one. Okay, well, I think... The argument that I've heard is, well, it should be based on merit. Mm-hmm. So, so if if you're qualified and he's qualified and they're qualified, whoever's most qualified, no matter what the background. Well, that should. is a, that could be a valid point mm. until it depends how you are recruiting the people, because I think if, for example. You, I think you should, of course, hire the, the best person for the job. But I mm. think the problem, it is not just that. The problem is that the many way, in many ways, uh, the way that recruiting is done and the places where we do it is often from like, you know, our own networks. Uh, we utilize, for example, a not so inclusive language sometimes in job posts. So mm. I think sometimes we are unconsciously attracting um, the wrong kind of people. So I think if, for example, it should be based on merit because nobody wants, you know, to be a diversity hire. And well, obviously <laughs> that that's obviously not cool. Yeah. But I think as long as you really have diversity and inclusion as part of your strategy and as long as you work a lot on, for example, trying to find people outside of the networks where you would usually find people and like, you know, really kind of audit your company as a whole so what kind of images we are utilizing in our social media in our website what kind of people are we actually like you know attracting the most because i think that is a a very unconscious uh, like you know problem that everyone has that we all want diversity and inclusion but you know are we actually attracting the right kind of people in the Mm. first place so looking into those things can at least help you have a more diverse set of applicants based on like, you know, what they see. So I think yes. you should always hire the right person with the right skills, but let's always make sure that, you know, we are going outside of our own networks to try to find um, like, you know, these people. Yeah, I like yeah. it. That, that mm-hmm. was very nicely said. Okay, Thanks. so um, <laughs> yeah. All right, because like we said earlier, you're such an encyclopedia for startups in Helsinki. Ooh, I would love you are. You're a walking startup and like encyclopedia. Um, yeah. I would love to spend the next few minutes. I mean, if you can, like, can you give me some startups that come to mind that you've recently come across that that have captured your attention in some way? 
Can you name Ooh, some yes. some of your favorite startups that are doing some cool stuff? Huh, very good question. Um, well, I think one startup whose like story I'm totally living for at the moment is uh, Brella. And, okay, I know um, Brella. Yes, so Brella has such an inspiring story because uh, you know they were part of Maria when the crisis hit. They they had a very hard time to the point where they were thinking like, okay, no, they have to leave. But, you know, in like a blink of an eye, they pivoted their whole like, you know, product offering so that they could basically respond to the current like, you know, market need, which was uh, virtual networking. And yes. basically, they just put together the platform. And in a matter of like, I believe, like four or six weeks, they were like, hey, we are staying because wow. now we just recorded our highest like, you know, sales ever. Wow. And, uh, Yes, last week they launched like eight different open positions at the hub and they're recruiting like crazy. They have a super nice team, um, international team. Like I really, I really like, you know, admire Brella so much at this point in time for like, you know, everything that they have so been able to prove. And can you quickly explain the pivot? So what were they before and what did they become? Uh, yes, so Brella used to be an events networking tool. So yep. it was really focused on you going to a physical conference and utilizing, for example, their mobile application to network with the people inside Yeah, to the set up meetings. Yes. So as you can imagine, when the when the crisis hit, yeah. uh, well, you know, all their conference, of course, they got canceled because nobody yeah. was willing to risk it. And it was just like super uncertain. But something that was clear was the need for... Uh, like virtual networking because like you know right now we have these tools uh, sorry these these tools like zoom and google hangouts and like sure you have a chat on the side but that's not really the ideal way of doing it so now they have like you know this integrated like a hybrid platform where you know you have the people on site recording the like you know the the keynotes and then you can even present the videos from like other keynote speakers and then it's like a nicer integrated um yeah. event like virtual events networking tool okay. so yeah it is it is very nice yeah yeah that's really cool so that's a really nice example of somebody using adversity to not fold yes. but you know to to grow and that's what startup is all about right just pivoting it's it's yeah. hitting a wall and then pivoting instead of yeah crashing exactly exactly but yeah brella brella's story i think it's um it's pretty pretty like you know inspiring um at this point in time then of course another story that i really like is Tell the me. one from from i think his name is is, is it yes Khan from rens Okay, um, yes. The, the yes. coffee sneakers. The coffee shoes. <laughs> yes, like, I mean, I just really love the whole setup of how it's kind of like... And and if he listens to this, I hope he doesn't take... He doesn't take this, uh, takes this the, <laughs> the wrong, wrong way. way. But, like, you know, for me, I just love the fact that it's not, like, you know, a Finnish male who created yeah. this, this thing. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like... Yeah. Sometimes even the kind of companies that we are used to, for example, see from uh, from foreign people, for example, building here in Finland, yeah. you know, you can see that there is a pattern. But I love how he was able to break that pattern because the breaking of these patterns is what really changes people's like, you know, con like misconceptions on, on what a person from X country should be doing. And yeah. like, you know, I think his story is super inspiring and the one yeah. of also his co-founder. Um, so like, I really, I really like their and, story. And they're not based at Maria, right? Uh, they are not at Maria. Okay. Unfortunately. I love that. Oh, no, I'm just, I really like that. You, <laughs> you're not just mentioning Maria startup. So that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, um, yeah. Do you still want another? Yeah. I was going to say, who's next? Give me some more. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, other two that I can mention is for example, like, uh, like within let's say the sustainability sphere uh well spinova and uh the infinite fiber company that okay, you know spinova. basically they have know yeah so basically they do fiber out of out of some wooden materials and so what this also does is that um well you can for example it's how can i explain it mm. um <laughs> yeah 
So basically, it's also kind of like circular economy on, on one side. So you could still loop it into the, like, you know, into the circle. And it's also, I believe, somewhat biodegradable because it's made out of this, like, you know, like wood, wood cellulose. So okay. I think this kind of like uh, companies interest me a lot at this point because I think like, you know, the whole fast fashion industry is in need of these kind of innovations, um, yes. especially because of how much they harm the environment in terms of waste. Um, but also, I would say, um, like, you know, the conditions that in many cases they offer, like, you know, the workers, mm. then it, it's something that, in my opinion, really needs to be disrupted sooner or later, because, I mean, it's it's really not looking good. So, yeah, these companies, these companies really interest me, or I'm actually not sure, was it then Infinitel Fiber Company, the one that is the circular economy startup? in which, um, for example, out of the same shirt that they make using the material that, you know, they used to make, like, you know, the, the fibers, mm. that then you can you can recycle that same thing and that same shirt can be turned into, like, you know, many other shirts in the future. So basically, there is, like, no waste from, um, from that manufacturing process. Okay. So... Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think Spinova That's... is more of the the biodegradable and the the material that is more like you know sustainable, and then the other company is more um, the material that is basically used over and over again. So like circular I economy catch, started. I didn't catch the name of the second company, Spinova, and who else? Who was the uh, second one? Uh, it's called the Infinitive Fiber Company. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of them. Yes, and I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say, I want to quickly ask you then about fast fashion. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not completely educated on this, so maybe you can tell me. But is it a good or bad thing that clothes are cheap? Because at first you think, well, cheap clothes, it's mm. a good thing. But then if you mm. look more into it, can you explain why it might not be a good thing? That, uh, that clothes are cheap. Yeah, well, like we can buy, you know, we can go out and buy five euro pair of jeans or two yeah. euro T-shirt. So the, the problem, problem. Yeah, what's yeah. the problem? Yeah, the problem is that uh, in most cases, uh, let's think of fast fashion companies. They mm. do not create like, you know, for quality. They they create for seasonal, like, you know, trends and, and items. And the mm. problem really is that when, uh, like, you know, when you as an individual and and i think this this also comes from like people's anxieties of how they should look like and and aim for and then you have a company that really offers them a cheap way of looking expensive mm. but at the end of the day you kind of forget that that like you know cheap way of looking expensive is really taking a toll on the environment so that is actually the problem that like you know people they buy clothes too often because yes, they need to keep up with the, the trends and yeah. then in many cases, these clothes, because ones that they have been worn, like, you know, five or ten times, then, you know, they are not really usable after that. So then they have to be thrown into mm, waste. And yeah. sometimes people like, you know, they might think of repairing these clothes or like, you know, putting them into the flea market. But, but it's when a really you bought it so percentage. cheap, you don't yes, care about it. Yes, exactly. It really does not have any value in the market after that. So it's basically waste if you yeah. if you buy uh, fast fashion so i think that's why we nowadays see a lot of this like uh you know smaller clothing companies that have very strong values as to what it comes to how they manufacture the clothes and the whole like you know logistic process is is much shorter so there are not like you know that many like you know steps between between you and them to try to get that piece of clothing and well also the materials they use and you know they are more fo focused in the quality of the garment so i think this is kind of like um the the other side of of the consumers that are looking for something like you know better quality and for more timeless kind of kind of looks that do not really rely on fashion trends for example mm. And I'm definitely that kind of person, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of person that doesn't look at fashion trends? No, not really. And 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 uh, I mean, of course, it's kind of like, a, of course, there is always like a fashion trend behind something. But I think that the 
fashion trends, for example, that we here in the Nordics are more focused towards like, you know, minimalism and, and looking for, you know, pieces that are timeless and that you can really combine with other, uh, like, you know, of your pieces. So it's really more about accessorizing rather than buying different things for different kinds of outfits. So it's a, more about like mixing. And of course, that is more possible when you have like, you know, pieces that that you buy to be like your main pieces for your attire. Like, you know, sometimes know. people might spend more money on like really good quality pants and like a blazer, these kind of clothes that you don't need to have like 10 pairs of blazers, for example. I think it's it's going to happen. It's a slow, like, you know, process, but... I think, um, you know, sooner or later, it just has to change because the, like, you know, the, the bottom line is that we are not going to have a planet, you know, sooner or later. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that has to be in everyone's, uh, how do you say, like motivation and best interests to do, yeah. to do something. Yeah. But it's, it's just human nature, though. We never, it's impossible for humans to think about long term. You know, we can't mm -hmm. think past the short term, which is that right is now, true. tomorrow. Yeah, and but also, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's it. I mean, so the, I mean, mm. I was going to say a solution is we need to, it's, it's, it's a human instinct that we have to fight. Yeah, exactly. But then also like, you know, I used to be, have so much pressure, like, you know, personal pressure when you start to hear about like, you know, the meat industry, the fashion industry, the milk industry, there is so much bad happening in the world but the problem is that we got here in the first place because we overdid everything and that's what people don't understand we just you know we have been having an excess of things like for such a long time and i think we would not be here if if we understand that balance is the key so mm. you know you as an individual you can commit to a few like you know actions that you really for example you know you can decide to go all vegan or like you know pescatarian or like mm. you can stop drinking like cow milk or you mm. can you know not buy a car because by the way i don't even have a car so I'm mm. a, i live a car-free lifestyle Great. and then you can also make the like you know the commitment of supporting only sustainable uh like you know clothing brands i think everyone like you know on this earth should have this kind of uh, of conviction at least one totally. yes right because yes. then i think like you know together the change will really be seen in the big picture but if if only a few of us do it then it's very hard that it's going to change agree and just to quickly say you said we overdid everything mm. i like that um but <laughs> the thing it. is the thing is we we did overdo everything however the way i see it it was never with bad intentions mm. meaning the people that we Everything we do is to make our lives easier. And that yeah. was that was really important when our lives were difficult. Meaning, mm. you know, all the way back to when we were being chased by mm. lions across Africa, we needed to make our lives easier, right? Yeah. And then, you know, through the Middle Ages, through whatever, Victorian times, life was still tough so we had to yeah. make our lives better and better for, mm. for us and for our next generations but now we are, life is actually okay in terms of mm. global global poverty you know it's mm. low yeah. but we we overdid it meaning we wanted to make clothes accessible to everybody mm. so now clothes are super cheap we wanted yeah. to make i don't know phones accessible to everybody and now you know we recycle phones all the time we wanted to make cars available vehicles available to everyone and now mm. we we did it to to we overdid it like you say so i think everything yeah. was with good intentions with just yeah. like, we just wanted to improve our lives and the lives of the next generations yeah exactly i totally agree but um but yeah and like you know with that same thinking there is no reason as to why we exactly. can't change because exactly. now the the now need we, yeah. yeah yeah now we need to actually fix, fix some things. of the yeah <laughs> some of the problems that we accidentally caused yeah, exactly. Completely agree. Cool. Yeah. All right. We're almost out of time. Do you have any more? Another startup that you want to mention? Anyone else at the top of your mind? A cool startup well, that you're thinking a about? A cool startup that I could... Well, I think another one that I can mention with whom I have been like, you know, uh, lately 
working with is called Mendy. So it is okay. spelled like M-E-N-D-D-I-E. And so talking about fast fashion, I think they're a fabulous startup. Um, and basically what they do is that they um, they help you repair your favorite pieces of clothing. Oh, very, just what we were talking like, about. Yes, in a very easy through a very easy process where you basically just send your broken piece to the mail and then one of their like you know seams seamstresses will fix it and send it back to you to the exact same like you know drop point where you left it <laughs> and like you know it's pretty easy and and like you know I love that because I think um sometimes people also are a bit lazy with uh, like you know you might have pretty uh, like good clothes in in a good shape but sometimes you might be lazy for looking for the seamstress and where am I gonna do this so you know through Mandy it's super easy to do this and and um yeah I've already repaired a few of my pieces through them have and, you and, okay yeah it's very nice to like you know my favorite uh like you know pants uh, had a hole and mm. like you know I send it through them and then, you know, my pants are fixed. <laughs> so it's, those are still happy moments, even if it's not like new clothes, but yeah, like, you know, it's clothes that you really love and yeah. Yeah. It might be a separate topic, but how come we don't walk around with ripped jeans like in the eighties anymore? That is true. <laughs> I guess it's all, <laughs> all because of fashion trends, yes. but I think those are coming back for sure. I have been looking at how we dressed in the eighties and nineties and I'm like, I'm living for those, like, you know, <laughs> for that fashion. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Kim, thank you so much. I've taken up uh, enough of your time. So thank you for a really nice chat. Thank you for having me here. And uh, well, I hope we keep in touch. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much. Okay, that was Kim Ogilvy. You can find her at Maria01. The website is maria.io. I'm Tan Lei. You can find me at noticingtheobvious.com if that's not where you're already at right now. Please check out more episodes and drop me a line and let me know what you think. That's it from me. Thanks for listening and see you next time.